This episode of the SaaS Revolution Show is sponsored by Oyster. Oyster is the global HR platform that makes it easy to employ people remotely in other countries. It's purpose-built for globally distributed organizations that want to tap the global talent pool and give all their employees around the world a great employment experience. Oyster lets you hire, pay, and give great local benefits in over 75 countries. To find out more, visit oysterhr.com. You have to truly make sure that sales, marketing, and product are aligned. And that sounds like a, of course, situation, but I, I think this is actually harder to do than it seems. I think it's pretty easy to get in a room at a company that doesn't have you know, clarity on who the target customer is, but let's assume everyone can get in a room eventually and say, okay, we wanna move up market. That I don't think is incredibly hard to accomplish and, and get alignment around. But I think what's really important is that you actually start to double click on what that really means and to pressure test. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution Show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth, and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thumer, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today, and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution Show, LB Harvey, uh, CRO at Front. Welcome, LB. Thank you, Alex. Great to, great to be here. Great to have you on the show. I know and hear of you as LB. What does LB stand for? It stands for Laura Beth, uh, which is my given name. And at this point, only comes out when I'm in trouble uh, with my parents. Uh, so when I was in first grade, my uh, first grade teacher uh, nicknamed me LB, and it has stuck ever since. Uh, and so the, literally the only two people who ever refer to me as Laura Beth are, again, my parents. And it's like once a year uh, when it's a more tense conversation. Okay. Well, we'll try not to have this as a tense conversation. And if, <laughs> but if I do call you Laura Beth, you know that you're in trouble and you said something that you shouldn't have. Uh, exactly. Uh, exactly. So, so uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, uh, LB. Um, obviously, like, where, where are you uh, calling in from? Uh, you know, who is LB Harvey? Uh, a little bit about uh, yourself. Yeah. So I'm calling in from San Francisco, California. Uh, we're having an unusually warm uh, late fall here. Um, I'm married with an 18 month year old, uh, a little boy, Oscar, um, which has been really, really fun. Uh, I love wine and running. Um, and uh, I've recently joined Front, as you mentioned, a CRO. Uh, previously, um, I started my career actually as a SDR BDR at a company called Corporate Executive Board. That's well known for kind of the challenger sale. Um, if those are, uh, if folks are familiar with that, you know, sales methodology mantra. Um, and then I spent uh, a little over seven years at LinkedIn in various uh, sales leadership capacities. Then joined a company called Intercom, uh, which is a uh, fabulous business messenger. And I was there for a little over four years, um, running sales success and support. And uh, and then uh, about two months ago, joined Front. Amazing. And, and uh, I mean, obviously, well, uh, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll answer the question in my mind here, but you were at Intercom for four years. Why leave to join Front, uh, you know, after this time? Yeah, I mean, it was, a uh, um, Intercom is a fantastic company and I think has a bright future ahead. So, um, you know, it was 
definitely a difficult decision to to leave at the time and and to jump on to to front in some ways. But I think where um, I got really really excited uh, about joining Front, um, I think Front is at a really fun stage. Um, you know uh, where there is a lot of great traction in the market. Um, it's a fantastic product. Um, it's really resonating. Uh, customers are diehard Front fans. Um, and yet there's so much potential. And I think um, I ultimately got really, really attracted to the idea of bringing in some learned experience from my time at um, Intercom and LinkedIn and being able to really um, hopefully help uh, change Front's revenue trajectory um, by bringing in some lessons and being able to move really, really quickly. And I think it's just at that stage of um, kind of the sky's the, the, the limit. Um, in addition, I really was attracted to the culture um, at Front as well. Um, super dynamic, amazing CEO, um, and super collaborative, um, you know, uh, culture. Uh, and I think one of uh, Matilda, the CEO's big beliefs is that um, you know true joy is achieved through both making your customers' lives better, but also your employees' lives better. And you can just really feel that um, each and every day at front. So, um, so far, so good. A um, lot of opportunities uh, to focus on across the next two or three years. Um, but uh, I, I find this stage really fun. And can, can I ask, this is so, I'm curious, like did, did Mathilde like reach out and send you a LinkedIn message or like did you meet somebody from front, you know, uh, at an event or something like that and it, you know, transpired? How did, how did that happen, like you, that, that transition? Yeah, actually, Matilda and I were meant to meet a couple of years ago and didn't. Um, I was really heads down at Intercom. Um, I was about to go out on uh, a parental leave. Um, and so just <laughs> we, we were actually meant to meet up for a coffee and it just never, never happened. Um, and so it was just kind of one of these funny things of, you know, I'd, I'd always been aware of Matilda and, and she's got such a great reputation. And uh, we were just sort of like ships passing in the night. And um, uh, actually, a, a recruiting agency uh, reached out to me and, um, you know, hit me at a time where uh, coming up at four years at, at Intercom, I felt like I wanted to make an intentional decision to either stay um, for the next few years and sort of like recommit to a, you know, two, three, four year journey, or I wanted to make an intentional decision um, to leave. Um, and so it felt like the right time to have an um, external conversation and I remember when I went into that meeting at first, um, my mindset was, gosh, Matilda has a great reputation. She's someone I should meet and someone I should know, but this is not going to be the, the opportunity I leave um, uh, Intercom for. And, um, you know, the rest is history. Uh, cl clearly, my mindset changed over the course of several more conversations. And I, I probably should know this, but is it still shelter at home in, in the U.S.? So you, is everybody working from home? Yes, um, it is. I, you know, to be honest, Alex, I don't know what the official um, state is, uh, and I have a feeling it varies quite a bit from state to state and city to city here in the, the U.S. Um, but in in San Francisco, um, yes, everyone is still working from home. Um, I believe Front's office is um, beginning to think about what's a safe reopening plan for very small uh, groups of folks. But generally, um, most of my friends in tech and, uh, and and folks at Front are are working from home, and so you know everyone's still focused on how do we 
continue to engage and bring the energy and um, collaborate effectively, um, sort of sheltering. And, and I think the general talk track is, you know, life is not going to return to normal um, in terms of having a real in-office culture at least a few days a week until really summer of next year. And I think some people would tell you that's optimistic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, definitely hearing that as well. And, and for you, uh, I guess, joining front sort of recently and I guess maybe joining, you know, uh, you know, working from home and not having met many of your colleagues, how, what has, has front done like a couple of things to kind of, you know, help like on board in, in that kind of situation to make you feel, you know, at home? Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you, it's, it's, um, if you had told me a year ago, I was going to join a company totally remote, I would have said, there's no way. Um, and I've actually been impressed by, by how well people have adjusted to sort of the, the full remote or, or shelter in place. Um, Front has done, I think, a fantastic job. Um, people have been so friendly, so warm, so willing to spend time. Matilda, CEO, has, has made it clear that um, you know, she is here to make sure that um, uh, we're, we're building a great relationship um, one-to-one, but also that I'm getting what I need to onboard. Um, we've talked a lot about um, the importance of me learning the product and spending time with customers. So uh, that's something that, uh, and actually she has a great quote here, is always important, but can sometimes never feel urgent. Um, and so that's something um, that um, I'm definitely spending time doing and actually tools like Gong really make that possible. Um, so I've got like 10 call recordings with customers lined up uh, to spend time listening to next week. Um, I think also, um, you know, I've just been spending time getting to know the team and, and joining team meetings and people have been really receptive to that. Um, on a fun note, I've got some fun front swag that showed up, some t-shirts, really comfortable sweatpants. That's always kind of fun. Um, you know, I don't think swag is is like the, the key to um, building early engagement and onboarding, but it certainly adds a little uh, fun dynamic. Um, and then, you know, where possible, I've also been um, taking time to meet outside for like walk and talks um, and, or, you know, small backyard, um, you know, outdoor um, kind of small group meetings just to get to put a face to a name and, and um, kind of meet people physically. But most of it's been virtual and it's actually in a lot of ways, I feel like I already know people at the company pretty well. And there've been a couple of cases where the first time I met them on a like walk and talk, it didn't feel like the first time I was meeting them, uh, strangely enough. So um, it's been great. Awesome, good to hear. So as you mentioned at the beginning, you, you led customer-facing teams that helped Bitcom from around $40 million in ARR to anecdotally uh, $200 million. Um, and let, let's uh, dig into that and you know talk a little bit about you know, how you did it with the team, uh, you know, with the team that you had. And effectively, how you plan on doing that again, you know, up front and you know, almost step by step. So, with that in mind, you know, what are the some of your key themes, you know, learnings from really, you know, growing you know, Intercom from forty million to two hundred million? Yeah. Um, so I think with with Intercom and um, and to some extent, I think this will be applicable at at front as well. Um, a, a lot of the story revolves around um, how you can effectively help bring your business up market. Um, and that was definitely a big uh, key for us at Intercom, particularly the last couple of years. And I think, you know, it's always important to do that without losing some of the brand heritage of smaller, you know, early adopter customers. 
Um, and so I think there's like a, a natural tension and also opportunity there to, you know, make that move um, effective, but not, not lose some of the goodness that's helped, you know, get you to 30, 40 million, et cetera. And so, you know, a couple of the, the, the keys in, in, in key lessons I've learned in um, how you move up market, um, I'll start with one, you have to truly make sure that sales, marketing, and product are aligned. Um, and that sounds like a, of course, situation, but I, I think this is actually harder to do than it seems. I think it's pretty easy to get in a room. Well, it's, it's not super easy um, at a company that doesn't have you know, clarity on who the target customer is, but let's assume everyone can get in a room eventually and say, okay, we wanna move up market. Um, that I don't think is incredibly hard to accomplish um, and, and get alignment around. But I think what's really important is that you actually start to double click on what that really means and to pressure test. Um, because it can be easy for everyone to align to let's move up market in theory, but in practicality, that doesn't actually start to soak into the way that every function is making day-to-day decisions. Um, and so I think in that alignment exercise, it's really important to make sure that sales marketing and product, um, and, and I use those functions as sort of the keys to this, but obviously it's really you know company-wide. Um, for instance, finance has to change up some of their practices when you're moving up market and you know um, thinking through the right systems and, and accounting and all that stuff. But um, I think it's really important that you, one, have a really clear view on who your target customer is with some specifics and what your key use cases are. Um, and then I think it's really important to say, okay, um, let's actually play this out and pressure test to how our teams make day-to-day decisions. Um, as we design the website and as we think about evolving our brand, um, are we serving our agreed upon market target customer? As we think about our roadmaps, um, are there things that we're planning to build that actually aren't in great service of this new you know, key segment? And what would we replace if so? And as a sales organization, um, we can't just probably take the same team, the same processes and just say, hey, go sell slightly bigger deals. That's going to really take um, evolution. And so on that, I think a, a second key here is you've, as a revenue leader, really got to be open to transforming your team um, to move up market and become great value sellers. And, um, you know, I think this is this is pretty typical of companies that want to move from more transactional sort of bottom of the market, what I would call sales assist up market. Um, larger and more sophisticated customers are generally not going to buy and then stick with technology that they just think is cool. Um, and so as you kind of move to larger, sophisticated um, customers and kind of cross that chasm, it's really important that you're able to articulate the business transformation that your product can bring to customers and you get your team great at really doing in-depth discovery, uh, understanding your prospect or your customer's business. And then you're really able to tailor your solution and articulate why your product is going to help them get to the business transformation that they desire and frankly, how you differentiate in the market. And that's a very different muscle than a kind of reactive web sales assist motion. Um, And by the way, 
I think sometimes it's easy to say this is an inbound versus outbound motion. So inbound being, you know, any lead that comes in um, inbound, um, outbound obviously being where like your BDR, your AE team goes out and finds target customers and schedules that, you know, first meeting. But really to me, whether it's inbound or outbound, it's really about the sales motion and it's about value selling with a traditional discovery tailored demonstration, maybe a proof of concept that's managed versus very kind of reactive um, order tanking, maybe you're you're on chat and you're, you know, discussing pricing or some basic questions, et cetera. So that's a real transformation and you've got to be signed up um, uh, to really help your sales team evolve there. And I think, you know, the key is you're going to want to bring in a consistent sales methodology. Um, you're going to want to get really tight across sales enablement and uh, PMM on the, uh, the, the positioning of your product how that links to ROI and business transformation and also how you differentiate against the competitive landscape. And then I also think a real key is you're going to want to uh, infuse some great external talent that's been there and done that and has done a more value-based sale in with your high potential team that um, may be newer to sales, has maybe only worked at your company, has you know is really just sort of used to that web assist motion. Um, and you're going to want to invest in training those folks up but also bringing in some great external talent. Um, and you know, your internal team is gonna have the tribal knowledge, the product knowledge, which is great. They'll be able to help assist your new external talent and your external talent will have new ways of being able to really um, align value in the deal cycle. And we'll be able to kind of infuse that. Um, and then the, the last kind of uh, key learning lesson is um, making sure that your pricing and packaging supports the new way you want to go to market and your new sales motions. Um, so considering what your CTAs on your website are, right? If you're trying to, uh, you know, move to a more value-based sale, you've got to consider having some of your SKUs um, or packages have a talk to us or request a demo contact us versus a free trial, right? And so, um, you know, if you want to have that disco or discovery call demonstration, proof of concept, et cetera, type motion, you've got to have your, your, your website and your calls to action aligned to that. And you've also got to think about, you know, how much of your business do you want to be on month to month contracts versus um, really um, committing for, you know, annual or multi-year contracts so that you can really dive in and build those deep and sticky relationships that are based on value. What, what are some of the, the biggest kind of challenges or like pitfalls to avoid and maybe, you know, from some experiences, whether they were mistakes or, you know, challenges that you had, you know, during that time uh, sort of with Intercom that you can share? Yeah, I mean, I think align, truly aligning the company and then being willing to kind of take that through to pricing and packaging is a is a is a big challenge. I think you know um, that's sort of a, a a big debate out there in the market of how much do you want to have your business come in via like free trial versus you know more traditional upmarket sales calls to action. I think that's not actually a super easy conversation to have, and you've really got to get kind of all parties aligned to that. Um, I would also say that uh, bringing in the right front line and second line leadership is is really key to this, um, because if you are um, expecting your sales organization to truly transform and go away from a motion that's been really successful um, to date, but in in closing smaller um, and perhaps less sticky deals, 
Um, you've got to have the right leadership that wants to get in and really roll up their sleeves and coach and inspire and help, you know, manage through that train change management. Um, and so I think really investing in the right, right frontline leaders is critical. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. We, we've yeah. been asking this, uh, this year, uh, probably for, for obvious reasons, um, you know, how people have been, uh, you know, dealing with the pandemic and, you know, the lessons kind of learned from that. Um, through business and, and you know, uh, also, I guess, kind of like personally as well. What, what are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned this year? Yeah, I, I think, you know, for me, one of the probably biggest transformations, I am definitely a big in-office person. Um, I like the routine of going into the office personally. I like the um, buzz and energy of the sales floor and, you know, sales and success floor. Um, I'm a big believer in the collaboration you can have when you're live, the ability to, you know, quickly grab someone for two minutes. I think there's all sorts of goodness that comes from being in, in an office. And yet I think all of us who are big in office, you know, high energy sales floor folks have learned it is possible to keep the train on the tracks, even with folks, um, being remote or working from home. And so I think one of the big things I'm taking out of this year is, you know, the the value that we can have in having, um, you know, sort of a hybrid model where teams come into the office a couple of days a week and maybe we coordinate those days and, you, you know, you create that buzz and that energy, that collaboration, but that people can also be successful working from home. And um, certainly here in the Bay Area where some people's commutes are 20 minutes, um, into the office, just kind of cruising down uh, Market Street. But, but some people's commutes are an hour and a half, depending on if they live in one of the, the suburbs. Um, you know, it can be a real bonus to work-life balance and actually make employees more um, efficient and effective if we can, you know, align on a, a hybrid model and, um, you know, allow folks to work from home a couple of days a week. So I, I think that's actually a big, big learning. That's a big cultural shift um, for sure. You, you mentioned um, uh, one of the companies that you worked for so previously, uh, sort of notorious around the challenger scale. Um, and uh, just thinking about, um, obviously, uh, your career, your path, and like what's helped you, uh, you know, become CRO at front. Uh, are there any kind of particular, you know, sort of like books that you say, like, you know, this has been my Bible, or, or these are kind of like go-to uh, you know, sales books or even kind of like business books um, that that you uh, that you you care to share. Yeah, I um, I think so. A couple um, books that I I really love. I love the Challenger Sale, <laughs> um, obviously, um, but I also love uh, Primal Leadership, um, which is really a book all about the psychology of of leadership and um, talks about the importance of IQ and EQ. Um, and really kind of promotes a uh, authentic, um, very real uh, leadership style, a leadership style that doesn't run from conflict um, and leadership style that's, you know, not afraid to be um, to be, you know, human in every um, in every sense of the of the word. Um, and so that, that's just uh I, I really do love, um, you know, thinking of, about leadership style and, and sort of evaluating um, day in and day out. Am I kind of living up to be the type of leader I want? And of course, none of us are. Um, but I think you are always really well served in developing your leadership skills and sort of your own leadership 
reputation or who you want to be alongside developing, you know, great salesmanship or, or whatever kind of, um, role you're in. Um, I think you can't underestimate some of those softer skills, um, that really help you navigate, um, choppy waters. Awesome. Haven't heard of that one, but we'll definitely uh, check, check that one out and we'll, uh, We'll reference that in the uh, in the show notes. The final question, LB, we all always yep. ask our guests how they stay healthy and sane, um, you know, on their uh, on, on their journey and their day to day. What's your way? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one is that uh, I would actually say a couple couple things. One, um, I'm a big uh, workout person, so um, I commit to working out five days a week. Period. Full stop. Um, I don't accept excuses on why that can't happen. And so I make sure that I either book, uh, and by the way, I also know that by like seven o'clock at night, I am not working out. It's just not happening. And so I make sure that I have a morning workout scheduled in, um, for days that are just back to back. Um, or I've actually leaned into, uh, the flexibility that, um, the COVID, um, situation has, has created in working from home and I'll block, you know, 45 minutes during the day. And I don't worry about doing like a big you know, hour and a half workout, but if I can just run for 30 minutes and then do a quick shower, um, you know, I'm happy. Um, and so that's definitely been something of just having that discipline around working out. And then also I've definitely tried to practice sort of a, a consistent mentality around being either on the court or off the court. And so I try to avoid like constantly having my phone on me, constantly checking emails, et cetera you know, in the mornings, um, I often watch my son and I try to not have my phone in my hands. I'm just with him, um, you know, experiencing the day and then same in the evenings, if I'm going to work, I try to actually pull out my laptop and say like, okay, I'm going to work for, you know, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, but not have this kind of constant, um, checking in, checking out, which is like, you're not really, um, with your, you know, friends or family and you're not really doing a great job at work. So I try to be very intentional about what, um, what I'm doing when. Awesome. Awesome. Well, LB, it's been great speaking uh, to you. Uh, great to have you guest on the, on the SAS Revolution show. So thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Alex. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SaaS Doc conferences around the world.